And uh, we're going to continue in the book of Revelations, and we'll see how far we get. Um, pray, pray that we get farther than we've been getting. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm not praying we get farther. We're going to take our time in this thing. All right, well, we, uh, Pastor Mike and I and Miss Ann even got in on it. We had some big debates on Chapter 6. Yeah, we might not, we're not getting past this. I can guarantee you. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see. Maybe. I, I think we'll get to six. Five is pretty. <laughs> five is pretty straightforward. But uh, we'll see. That's I what, said that's... that. I said that about chapter four though too. But uh, let's let's do our Wednesday confession. Um, you know, and again, confession doesn't change God. It doesn't do anything for God. It just helps us to get our thinking right. That's what confession does. And it helps us get our thinking, what's in our mind, down into our spirit and get our mind and our spirit into agreement. So let's do our confession. All right. This is my, this is my Bible. Bible. It, it is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Now, Connor, Miss Bridget, Connor goes into surgery tomorrow? Oh, he's already done. I've been praying for him all week. I take it it went well. Good. That's what we prayed for. Praise God. Glory to God. Hopefully that means they charge less, too. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, praise God. God's got the finances worked out also. Wow. Perfect. Crazy, 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 crazy good. Woo, God is so good. He's so faithful. When you When you stand on the word... Okay, Lord, hold on. We'll go there. Come on. Go to 1 John chapter 5, just a couple pages back. Uh-huh. 1 John chapter 5, just a couple <laughs> little pages. Come on, just a couple little pages. Uh-huh. Uh, chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John 5, 14. You read it for me? Sure. Okay. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So in little Connor's case, we knew that it was God's will to heal. We know that it's God's will to use doctors at times, if that's where people's faith is. And so we prayed that the surgery would go well, that, it would, that everything would, would work perfectly, that the surgery would go quicker than expected. They said it was a 10-hour surgery. You said they took him in at 830 and at, five, and at 5, they were taking him to his room. So we got the prayers answered. And it's based on we knew the will of God, we prayed according to the will of God, and we trusted that God heard us, 
And therefore, we had what we prayed for. Amen. Before, before the surgery ever took place, we already had it. So glory to God just goes to show it prays to know the word. And that's why we're come to church is to find out what does the word say. Or we could say it this way, what does Jesus say? Because Jesus is the word. And we could even take it a step further and say, what does the Lord, what does the Father God say? Because Jesus only says what the Father says. Amen. So we, when we find out what the, what the word says, we're finding out what God says. And, what, and, the, and the words that God speaks, they create. And he created us to create with the words that we speak. And this is why it's so important that we watch what we say. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, if I start uh, looking like I'm going to fall over or a little unbalanced, I'm not drunk or high, I promise. Uh, my ears have been challenged, and they've had some pressure building up in them. So I went to the doctor today. There's absolutely no infection at all. There's just fluid built up behind them, it, more so on the right side than the left side. And it's not like water fluid. It's like snot fluid. So it takes a little extra. Well, that's what's in the ear is mucus. And so it takes a little extra effort to get that fluid to drain. So uh, y'all know how I am on medicine. Uh, and he put me on prednisone and three different decongestants and double doses of all three of them right? to get them open. <laughs> she says, I'm not driving no more. <laughs> I got home. I, mean, I drove home. I, you know, I, I ate and I took my medicines and I drove home and I was fine. And I got out of the car and I went to walk down the hallway of the house and I thought, wow, things are already moving. So if I have a tissue, that's because things are moving. <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm not contagious. I'm not sick. I just Things are just starting to clear out praise god (laughs) so praise the lord uh so just know i'm standing on that scripture miss stacy ephasta ears be open i'm standing on it miss stacy and i had a conversation about that scripture yesterday i said lord i thank you that the ears are open the pathways are open so let's start we're picking up right here in revelations yes sir we're gonna pray of course we're gonna pray (laughs) we're picking up right here in chapter five of revelations but before we do, let's pray. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's get ourselves positioned to hear and receive the word. And uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for being here with us tonight. We come gathered together in your name to be with you and to learn from you, Lord. We, we pray that you will give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken tonight, the words that will reveal um, the truth about your book the Re- of, of the Revelation. And Lord, we just thank you that you give us clear understanding and that you help us to, to grasp that and, and to get it down on the inside so that we can know what is to come. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Name. Thank Amen. you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, as we step over to chapter 5, I want to put you in remembrance of a couple of things. God does not make the, wor- make, does not make the Bible hard for his children to understand. He does not make the word hard to understand. In fact, many studies and, and people that look at it and what have you say that the Bible, if, if, it's, if it's written in the language that you speak easily, it's written on a language that the average sixth grader can understand, that the average sixth grader can understand. So when we read the scriptures, we should never approach it with, well, I just don't have the ability to comprehend it and I don't have the ability to understand it. Because if you're a child of God, you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside you have the ability. In fact, by unction of the Holy Ghost, let's go to John chapter 14. Now, 
That's not to say that you might not have a little bit of trouble with some of the idioms from back right. in the Bible times or some of the language uh, differences between Old English and today's English. Right. Which is why they have different translations. Right. So where are we going? I want you to go regular to, to John. regular John, Big John, regular John, chapter 14, John 14. And I hear pages turning, so I'm going to keep turning. But a sixth turning. grader from back in King James' time, if, they're, if they had grades, would have been able to understand it. <laughs> All right. So John 14, we're going to look at one verse and only one verse, verse 26. And I'm only looking at this one verse because I, for sake of time. John 14:26 reads this. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, do you have the Holy Ghost? Yes. You receive the measure of the Holy Ghost when you're born again, and you get a deeper, a fuller measure when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we've all got the Holy Ghost. So this means that this verse applies to us. Let's read what the Holy Ghost will do for us. He shall teach you all things, which means that, that, that it, he'll, he'll enable you to be able to learn everything. Right. And if you don't have a You're man, not just going to magically know the information. Right. But if you don't have a man most times. if you don't have a man available to teach it to you, the Holy Ghost himself can teach it to you and will teach it to you because he has all wisdom and all knowledge. And so, and sometimes he will reveal stuff to you that you didn't read. Right. You know, hey, uh you're working on a car. Hey, did you try this? It oh, just yeah. pops in your head to yeah. try that. You go yeah. try it. Hey, sure enough, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, this this does not the Holy Spirit teaching you all things. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will teach you all spiritual things. There's no qualification that this only applies to spiritual. This is why Christians should be the smartest people on the planet. And this is why you should pray about everything, especially if you're trying to solve a problem. You should pray about that because the Holy Spirit's going to give you knowledge that you didn't have. Yeah. When I come up against something that I don't know, if I come up against something that I don't know, I humble myself enough because the scripture says, what's that verse you've been studying on? Psalms 5, 3, I think it is. Yes. Psalms 5, 3. Lean not into thine own understanding. Into your own understanding, mm -hmm. but trust in the Lord. Why can you trust in the Lord? Because the Holy Spirit will Proverbs. teach you. All things. Oh, Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, verse 5. Proverbs 3, 5. Yeah. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. And then he goes on and he says, not only is he going to teach you all things, but he's also going to do what? Oh, yes. Perfect. Uh, he, he, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So there's going, to, there's going to be times that the Holy Spirit's going to bring things that he said to you in the times past, whether it's scriptural or natural things, that's going to help you in your situation. There's times that I study the Word, and the Lord will bring me, a, the Holy Spirit will bring a very natural situation that he's helped me through in the past to help me understand a spiritual principle or help me to teach a spiritual principle. I'll give you an example. I had... I've, I don't know, just randomly, a couple, a while back, I had just all of a sudden had a random fascination with cows. Just, I suddenly had a random fascination with cows. And I'm like, you know, they're beautiful from a distance, but you get up and they got snotty eyes and snotty noses and there's flies and there's dirt and like, what is the deal? But I started kind of just a little here and there doing some studying on cows 
And then all of a sudden, Brianna started asking me about um, meditation and how meditation works. And I was, able to, I was able to use my fascination with cows to help teach her about meditation and how the more you chew your cud, the more milk the cow produces, the more you chew on the Word of God, the more spiritual understanding you produce. And then that became like, it a was sermon. amazing. <laughs> like, it was amazing. So the Holy Ghost will teach you the things, and he'll bring things to your remembrance to help teach you. Now, on your way back to Revelation, stop off at 1 John chapter well, 2. Now, and it also says he'll bring all things to your remembrance, like where I left my car keys. Right. He will do that. Yes. And it's currently I'm looking for a set. So. <laughs> right. So on your way back toward Revelation, stop off at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. First John, gotcha. All right. Yep. Little John, the first book of Little John. In fact, thank you, Holy Spirit, for just letting me know where my keys are. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Just that quick. Just that quick. Found him in his mind's eye. Verse 27. What chapter? I wasn't paying attention. First John, chapter 2. 2. Verse 27. Verse 27. You're oh, see, I'm right there anyways. Okay. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Now, the anointing is the power of God. And here, John tells us that by the anointing, which is the power of God, well, who is the carrier of the anointing? It's not a trick question. We just read it in, we just, huh? Well, yes, you, you house the anointing, but who brings the anointing to you? The Holy Spirit. So, but the anointing or the Holy Spirit in you, which you have received of him, and guess what? That anointing abides in you. The Holy Spirit abides in you, and you need not, look at what it says. Now, people will read this, take it out of context, and you need not any man teach you. This does not mean that you don't need a pastor. Why would God tell you that you need a pastor and assign you to, a bo to the body, which is the church, with a pastor and then tell you you don't need a man to teach you? That's contradictory. No, what he's telling you is that if there's not a man to teach you, or even if you have a man teaching you, the Holy Spirit will confirm in you if what you're being taught is right or wrong. And how even reveal you, deeper things. How much do you know? You've learned some things from man and found out later it wasn't true. If you had just checked with the Holy Spirit in you, you would have found out before the fallout that what you had learned was wrong. We check everything against the anointing. Okay? Then he says this. He said, but as the same anointing teaches you of what? All things. All things. So guess what? The anointing, the teaching teaches you all things. What else does it do? And is truth. And not only does he teach you everything, but he teaches you the truth about everything. And if that didn't make sense, and is no lie. That's right. That's right. Well, I just perceive in my spirit. Well, that's good. If you're actually hearing from your spirit, if it's truly your spirit you're picking up on, then what you're hearing is not a lie. It's a truth. So how can you gauge if the devil's talking to you or if God's talking to you? Is what Can you debunk what you're hearing as a lie? If you hear in your voice, if you hear in your head nobody loves you, but you've got the scripture that says 
God so loves the world, and you're part of the world, can you debunk that thought? Absolutely. So that's a lie. So is that coming from God or Satan? Satan. Satan. If you hear you're the child of God and you're saved, born again, and you and in your spirit you say, man, I'm a child of God. I'm going to help you right now by the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're hearing... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't distract from him. Hold on. If in your spirit, if on the inside you hear, you're created in the image of God. Is that good? Can we back that up? So is it true? Yes. Yes. You hear on the inside, hey, you're a spirit in flesh. Is that true according to the word of God? Yes. Yes. So who's, t- who's telling you that? The Holy God, spirit. the Holy Ghost, the, the anointing. If you hear, you're a new creature in Christ. Is that truth? Yes. Yes. If you hear, you're the workmanship of God's hand, is it truth? Yes. Yes. Then maybe we ought to start believing what we confess on Sunday mornings. Maybe we ought to start believing. Now, if you're hearing stuff to the negative, do we just ignore that? No. No, the, the, the Bible tells us to answer. Right. To take that thought captive and answer. Answer. And how do we answer? With Scripture. Right. You find the Scripture that debunks that, and you say, devil, no, this is what my God says. You're wrong. All right, so we're, we're going to, we could, we could stop right there and preach all night, but we're not. Keep yep. going to Revelation <laughs> chapter 5. Okay, we'll get there eventually. Come on, let's get to Revelation <laughs> chapter 5. All right. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do with Revelation, or with the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation should be easy to understand. If you go reading after all of these theologians, they'll have this thing so hard and so complex and scary that you'll be like, I can't understand it. I can't get it. No, let the Holy Spirit, don't let your mind lead you because this is not a mind thing. This is a spiritual thing. Let your spirit lead you and guide you into truth. Does that make sense? Now, is there layers to the book of Revelation? Of course there's layers in the book of Revelation because there's layers in every book. But we're not here to pick out every single layer. We're here to get a basic understanding of the book of Revelation. All right. So that's what we're working on doing. So this thing should be easy. So let's let the anointed reader read and let's see what we can pick out here. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. We're not backing up, are we? No. Okay, sure. Well, maybe. Because, you know, we got people here that weren't here. That's okay. We okay. got to move on. We can't, right. we can't review every night. All right. Chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside. So we did find the last week, chapter 4. We're going to have to just talk about it. Chapter 4, we know that where is John? John is in where? <laughs> He's, the thr- he's in the throne room of God. He's in the throne. We're not going to go back and talk about the throne and all of that, but we know that he's in the throne room, and we know that he's standing there, and he said, and I saw in the right hand of whom, the, whom sat on the throne a book. So who do we know is sitting on the throne from last week? God. God. Woo! Half the church got that answer right. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Half the church got that right. Okay, if you didn't get it right, go back and listen to the sermon again. Right. All right, so we know that this is God. And Jesus isn't technically the wrong answer because Jesus is God. But this is the Father God sitting on the throne. All right, let's go. Okay. 
So, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and, re and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Yep, keep going. We're going to read the oh, whole thing, and then okay. I want you to go back in commentary. All right. That's unusual. <laughs> and, right, probably. That's the plan currently. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, or perfumes, which are the prayers of the saints. It's technically incense, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people and nation, and hast made us into our king, or it made us into and into our God king Go unto, yeah. unto our God kings and priests. Sorry, I got just That's got okay, tied up there. So and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the oh, earth. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> Revelation just, bam, just hit. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. That's over a hundred million if you want to do the math, which Zach is doing at the moment. <laughs> Don't get caught up in the math saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that, it, that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all, them, or, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. I think that's twice they fell down in this oh, chapter. Oh, glory to God. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis, Go all the way back, back to, to Genesis. Genesis 15. Glory to God. Well, chapter 15. God is the beginning and the end, the Alpha Go and the Omega. Back. So he's, he's, and he exists outside of time. So 
Go back to Genesis 15. Let's read verses 1 through 6. All right. Or one through, yeah, 1 through 6. 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. Abram. Abram. Hadn't had the covenant had, yet. Hadn't changed yet. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. So Abram, is, he's having a conversation with the Lord, and the Lord's telling him he's going to do great things for him. You go back and read prior. Uh, the Father God is telling Abram, he said, If you'll follow me, I'm going to do great things for you, and you're going to have many, 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 many heirs. And Abram says, uh, excuse me, how is that going to happen when I don't even have a child? Abram is stuck in the natural. He is stuck in the natural. He's thinking natural. And he's saying very naturally, how am I? Because, and here's the deal. Pastor Michael and I don't have natural children. Okay? So um, when we leave this life, this natural life, if we leave it before Jesus comes back, everything that we obtain in this life, we're going to have to pass it off to somebody else. And then because we don't have natural children to pass it to, whoever is closest to us and serves us and helps us and is there for us is likely going to be the one that's going to inherit all of our stuff from a natural standpoint. And that's what Abram was saying is I've got this servant that's like my right-hand person. That's, they're, not, they're not blood to me, but they're going to get everything. So how are you going to bring this this uh, blessing to me can, to me and my children if I have no children. But look at what God says, because what God says next is amazing. All right. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. So this was way back before we had all the city lights and all of that, before they had the city lights, and they could actually look up into the skies and look and see the number of stars. On a real good, clear, starry night, have you ever tried to count the stars? Did you get all the way through them? What, at some point, did you get to the point and go, there's too many to count? Well, that's what Abram did. But how much you know, Abram couldn't even see see all of the stars he couldn't even see them in another area of scripture he the lord tells abram he said your your descendants your, your the heirs of the covenant that i'm going to make with you are going to be like the the grains of sand in the ocean have you ever gone to the beach and tried to count the grains of sand right there where you are how much do i have how much do you know you don't get very far before you say too many, too much, ain't no need, right? Well, that's what he was saying. Now, so I want so, you to keep that in mind. So if, if thou be able to number them, he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. 
So Abram, so Abram took action, showed that he had faith in the Lord, believed the Lord, and the Lord is, has ever since that day been working to bring that to bring um, Abram's number of heirs to the point that they outnumber the stars and the sands of the sea. So now, let's go back and let's review some things here in Revelation chapter five. Now, it seems pretty straightforward. They're in the throne room. God's got a book in his right hand. Everybody's like, who's worthy to open the book? They're all kind of sad because there's nobody able to do it. But then the angel says, no, there's one. There's one that's able to do it, and that's the Lord Jesus, and he was slain as a lamb, and so that's what makes him worthy. And so he goes, and he's the one that starts to open the seals, and, and they all start to fall down and worship him. And it looks like, according to the thousands times thousands of hundreds of thousands, it looks like there's a whole lot of people worshiping. Seems very straightforward, doesn't it? Can we go on to the next chapter? <laughs> no, there, we're missing some things, Pastor. Well, let's find out what we're missing. So he says, now first of all, now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You've got you to learn some things to understand going to the Revelations. It doesn't, the, the, the book of Revelation does not stand on its own. Now. And in uh, order to understand some of the things that are in here, you have to understand stuff that came before. That's right. So Revelation chapter 12 for the, um, yes, Second Corinthians chapter 12. I got Revelation on the brain. I, I should have said second Revelation. No, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Chapter 12, I want you to go down here to verse 7. Down here to verse 7. Again, we're not reading the whole thing. I'm not explaining the whole thing because I just want to make a couple of points here and there. All righty. Chapter, chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Okay, pause right there. Paul spent much time in prayer and much time seeking the word of God. Therefore, he received a multitude of revelations from God, and that's why he was able to write so much of the New Testament. But because he spent so much time with God, and because so many revelations were being given to him, a, there was a thorn in the flesh. He's describing he, there's something happening in the spirit, and he's trying to explain it with natural terms. And so he says, in the spirit, there's what would be considered a thorn in the flesh in the natural. How much do you know if you have a thorn in the flesh, it's irritating? It's not really going to kill you necessarily. It's just going to irritate you, frustrate you, make you grumpy, affect your day. Right? Right. So, so in other words, there was something in the spirit realm that was sent to create the same type of effect. And what was that irritation? The messenger of Satan to buffet me. The messenger of Satan. This is the, this is, uh, that word, the messenger, that phrase, the messenger, if you go look it up in the original Greek, is the word angelo, angelos. It's basically angel with an O-S on the end of it, angelos. And what it literally means is a spirit being that is a messenger. 
all through the New Testament, every time this Greek word angelos is used, it's always translated angel or angels other than right here. So it would do us zero harm to say that what was sent to buffet him was an angel of Satan. We, we don't mess the scriptures up at all to translate that as an angel of Satan. Now, this messes a lot mess, of people we're up. We're going to mess up a lot of people's theology. We're going to mess up a lot of theology here because in our modern-day understanding of the Bible, we understand that there's angels and that there's devils and demons. But that's not the terminology that they used. They did not have the revelational understanding that we have because the Bible is a progressive revelation that angels were simply messenger beings for the gods of the spirit. So you had angels that served the father God and then you had angels that served Satan and served the, uh, the, the, his, not only, not only did the, did the, were there angels that served Satan but there were angels that served the under gods that that were that operated under Satan's rule. So you've got Satan. So basically, what you've got is you've got Satan, and then you've got his highest class of powers, which is the um, pagan gods. And those pagan gods had angels that worked for them. In our language today, we call those messengers or those angels of the pagan gods. We call them devils and demons. Does this make sense? So when you read the book of Revelation and other places in the scripture, but you see this mostly in the book of Revelation, when, but wherever you see it in the Bible, you have to look at the behavior of the angel and determine by its works who the angel works for. Is the angel bringing good tidings? Is the angel bringing uh, health is the angel bringing prosperity is the angel bringing protection is it because they're a messenger are they bringing the things of heaven if they are they work for God if they're bringing sickness disease destruction killing that guess who they work for Satan now when you have this understanding it's going to completely change the way you how you look at the book of Revelation Okay, so now, so back to Revelation, chapter 5, not chapter 6, we ain't made it there yet, chapter 5, so he said, I saw, in verse 2, he said, I saw a strong angel, so he's in the throne room, so he's in the throne room, so do you think this is a God angel or, an, or a Satan angel? God angel, because Satan angels can't go into the throne room. That makes sense. So he's in. So this is a God angel, and he's proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the book and loosen the seals thereof?" And no man in heaven, nor in the earth, nor under the earth. So there was nobody. There was nobody. Nobody anywhere in heaven. Well, and look at that. It said no man, which means there were already men in hell. Do you see this? Right, because it says under the earth. Because it says under the earth. It says no man in heaven, nor in the earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, 
neither to look thereon. All right. So this gives us a clue. There's men in the in heaven. There's men in the earth, and there's men under under the earth, which is in hell, are at this point in time. So that gives us a clue. And then uh, John, who is having this revelation and sees this book that God is that God wants to give, uh, that there's nobody there to open it, and so he starts to weep, and, and, and he's weeping much, and he's crying much, he's grieved. And then, um, because no man was found worthy to open, to read the book, neither to even look upon it, to look in it, to look, what, to look at what was in the book. And one of the elders, now we said last week that, one, that the elders are representatives of uh, the church of mankind, both Old Testament and New Testament. So we understand this. Some people think that the elders represented the 12 tribes and there are 12 of them represented the 12 tribes and 12 of them represented the um the the modern day church the the apostles or the disciples or the modern day church um but but then the lord revealed to us towards the end of service that these were the men that were our example as to how we were supposed to operate in heaven so these so these represent all of mankind so that was revealed to us through the Holy Ghost. All right. So one of these elders that represented mankind uh, declared, weep not. So when we get to heaven and we're in the throne room, if God so permits us, we actually have a voice. And he said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Think about the family tree and roots going down. He, he belonged to part of the root that held the tree to humanity in place. This is Jesus. And uh, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, in order to prevail, does that, mean, does that not mean that you've had to have some type of conflict? So, so obviously, um, the Lion of Judah, the root of David, has had to go through some type of conflict in order to be able to open this book all right so then let's read a little bit more and i beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. So many people say, I don't understand what the, what the candlesticks and the stars and the horns and the eyes are. How much do you know? We found out in our earlier study that we learned the candlesticks represent the what? The churches. The churches. And what did the stars represent? Come on. The pastors. The pastors of the, of the churches. The candlesticks represented the churches. The stars represented the pastors of the churches. We found out that the seven spirits are the are the care are the are the characteristics of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. So here he tells us. He says here he says, behold, um, there in front of the in the midst of the throne. So in front of the throne. Remember we saw last week that there were four beasts or four gigantic angels above the throne um and that there were 24 elders so in front of all of who's so in front of the entire court of the throne room of god here comes one who stood as the lamb slain in other words 
Jesus stood in front of the throne um, in his, in his uh, beaten state. He stood in front of the throne with the, horn, with, the, with, the, with the marks in his hand. He stood in front of the throne with, I, shouldn't, I, I don't know that he had the marks of the whipping, but he had the marks that showed that he had been slain like the lamb. He had the marks in his hand. He had the marks in his feet. He had the mark in his side that he had been slaughtered and slain like the lamb. He had been crucified. Okay? So he, uh, so he stands before them. And look at what it says. He says that, he, that, that this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. Now, this sounds like a creepy creature. But then, to take away the scariness of it, it says, which are? It tells us exactly what the seven horns and the seven eyes are. The spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Sent forth into all the earth. So this is, so what is, so now this is what we know. We know that while Jesus was on the earth, he had the fullness or what we could call the double portion of the Holy Spirit on him. He had the fullness of God on him. So if he's got the horn, if he's got the seven horns and the seven eyes, doesn't that sound like a double portion? Doesn't that sound like the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Yes. And it says, and it says um, that the that the seven spirits or the Holy Spirit was sent forth into all of the earth. When was the Holy Spirit sent forth? The day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, which marked what? Let's see if anybody can pop this little thing out of their head. I'm gonna mess with you. It marked the beginning of the New Testament covenant. The mark of the New Testament church. It marked. Because remember, Jesus operated, the Gospels were all done under the Old Covenant. The first book after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what? Acts. It's the book of Acts that we actually begin to operate under the New Covenant. Kind of do it at the tail end of each of the Gospels, but really where it takes off is at the day of Pentecost. Okay, so here, so here he stands, and this is marking the beginning of the church age. This is the marking of the beginning of the new covenant. All right, let's read a little bit more. Right, verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation. Meaning everyone in, everyone in the world has this covenant. So, they, so they're singing a new song, and this is the song that they sing. Thou art, uh, thou art worthy to take the book. In other words, everybody said, Jesus. how much you know Jesus is worthy to take the book out of God's hand because he was slain? 
He was the one that was worthy. And how much you know, he's also the one that's worthy to open the seals. He's also the one that's worthy to open the seals. And this is why he, and notice there's a colon there. Because we go, well, yeah, of course, it's Jesus. Of course he's worthy. But why is he worthy? Look at the colon. Look at the colon. The colon tells us that what I'm fixing to say is directly connected to what I just said. Here's why he's worthy to open the seals. He's worthy to open the seals because he was slain. Because he has redeemed us by God, to God by the blood. Now, did he only, did he only cleanse the Jews? No. With his blood? No. It clearly says... He redeemed us by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred, and which tongue. means, which means, no matter, no matter who how your relatives no are, no matter who, no matter who your relatives are, it doesn't matter if you're of the. Jackie's of Jewish lineage. This was not just for Jewish. I am not of Jewish lineage, but he said it doesn't matter if you're of Jewish lineage or of some other lineage. You qualify. He said, it doesn't matter what tongue or what language you speak, you qualify. He said, it doesn't matter what people you come from. Because there was a lot of, just like in that day, there was a lot of uh, stuff about uh, different uh, nationalities and different people and different cultures. Another way to say that, it doesn't matter what culture you come out of. And it doesn't matter what nation, what group, what generation what, what section of land? In other words, he said, it doesn't matter where you come from, you qualified to be uh, cleansed by the blood because he was slain. And this cleansing is what qualifies him to open the seal. So let's get, and then there's a semicolon, so let's keep going. All right. And hath made us into, or made us unto our God, kings and priests. When do we become kings and priests? Come on, this ain't a trick question. If you come to church here, you know this. When do we come? When? When do we become? When you're born again, when right. he was crucified. He made it possible for us to be kings and priests at the cross. When we actually become kings and priests is when we become born again. Exactly. Does this sound like tribulation? Does this sound like great tribulation, seven-year tribulation time to you? No. Doesn't sound like it to me either. This sounds more like the heir, the dispensation, the age of the church. The co This sounds like New Covenant, Church of Jesus Christ time or age. That's what the time it sounds like to me. Now remember, this is John getting this revelation. Right. And this is before... You know, the church really became a big thing. Well, no, because this is at the end of his life. This is, because this is John, he got yeah, this at but, Patmos. Um, but, I mean, it, it hadn't become what it is today. No, right. not what it is today. But how much you know, this was after, uh, he was at the end of his life, he was at Patmos. This was sometime after the book of Acts started. The church was started. Now, was the church nearly as big as it is today? The church universal? No. But it was taking off. The church was taking off. And what Jesus was telling John was, John, it doesn't matter where the people are coming from. Because remember, John, was, remember John lived in the day of the Jews. When the only people that, were, that had the right to come to God were Jews or of the Jewish households. 
So how much you know this? John is standing in heaven and he's watching non-Jews in the throne room bowing down before King, before God, before Jesus. How much you know that was a revelation to John? All right, let's keep going. Verse eleven. And I beheld and heard the voice. Oh wait, I missed. I missed part of ten. Okay. I missed part of ten. Oh, I missed part of ten, and it's a good part. Right. And we this, shall reign on earth. This is this was the revelation moment. Notice he said, "But have made us to rule as what? Kings and priests. Kings and priests. How much will you know? We we confess at least every Sunday that we're either queens or kings in Christ. That's right. Why? Because that's what he died on the cross to make us. And 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 if we're not sure when this takes place, y'all did good. Y'all passed the test. But in case you couldn't pass the test, he gives us the answer. And we shall do what? Reign, Reign on earth. where? On, on earth. the earth. Does it say well, that we have to wait to he- till we get to heaven to reign? No. No. We reign now. We reign here now. Now. So he's talking about the time we live in now. All right. All right. So this is not seven-year tribulation. All right. Let's keep going. Verse 11. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. Now, Michael, explain to them what the, what you found out when you studied this out. So, like, like uh, Zach. Zach over here, I, I sat down with a calculator and figured out that ten thousand times ten thousand is a hundred million, and then a thousand thousands is another million. But it says thousands of thousands, so it's probably more than that. So somewhere between a hundred thousand, a hundred million to two hundred million, or maybe even a zillion. We don't know. But when you study it out, when you go to the the word, the actual Greek words that say ten thousand, that what it what it means is innumerable. It means it was so many he couldn't count. And then not only was it so many he couldn't count, but it was. 10,000 times 10,000. So it was so many he couldn't count by multiplied by so many he couldn't count and then add some more on top of that. So it was so much that his brain could not even comprehend how much it was. What do you think when, when God took Abram out there in that dark sky, not a cloud in the sky, and there was nothing but stars, and he said, Abram, count the stars. How much do you know in that moment Abram felt so completely overwhelmed that there were so many stars that he could not even begin to imagine to count them. Or when he compared it to grains of sand on the beach. That's right. Same principle. Same principle. In the spirit, in the spirit, John is watching this covenant roll out before him. He's watching the heirs of Abram that were promised to Abram that were so that they were they matched the number of the innumerable, the innumerable stars they matched the number of the stars in the skies they matched the number of the grains of sand in the sea and yet they all bowed before God the angels that are innumerable the bible says that the angels were innumerable and a third of the angels fell with satan and yet the angels were still the servants the messengers of god were still innumerable and then there's the beast the beast we we talked about last week were gigantic angels these gigantic angels there were so many of them they couldn't even count them 
plus all the other, the cherubim and the seraphim and the and the warring angels and the yeah. and all the different ranks of and, angels. And the elders are included. The here. elders are there, which that's the twenty-four, and they represent the church. That's representing the body of Christ, and and, and all the church looked at them, and they, they bowed. The whole church bowed, and there's so many bowing before the king that. Um, John can't even, he can't even describe the number of what he's seen. Not only could he, not only could he not count them, but he couldn't even describe them. And that's what this 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands means. All right, now, uh, I, want, I, want you to, I want to take you back to, we've all read the Gospels. We've all read the Gospels. Um, but I want you to, t- and if you haven't, go back and you'll figure out what I'm telling you is true. When Jesus taught, Jesus always taught, for the most part, with a story, with a parable, with a parable. He didn't, he didn't come right out and say, this is what it is. He always, he always kind of did a, a summary type story. And time and time again, not only would he tell his story, but then he had to break it down and explain it in more detail. Does that make sense? Well, if that's the way Jesus operated on the earth, do you think he, and that's what John is accustomed to, do you think he's going to do it any differently when he shows John a vision? No. So I believe, my perceive, this is what the Holy Ghost showed me. I'm not a theologian. I'm just telling you what the Holy Ghost showed me, is that chapter 5, um, Jesus, here in this revelation, he gets a synopsis of what... Um, the church is in the spirit. What the church is in the spirit. Jesus came. Jesus is going to open this book up, and everybody falls down before him. Now let's go to the next. Let's finish reading this, and then we'll get into chapter 6. All right. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches. So what? Now, now I want you to think about this. This is going to mess you up. If you think... Jesus was poor, this verse is going to mess you up. Because it just said, let's read that verse again. What verse is that, 13? 12. Verse 12. He says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was, who, that was slain. To receive power. He received power. And riches. And riches. Do you think he only received spiritual riches? No. He received riches. That word riches means tangible wealth, external wealth. That's what that word riches means. He's worthy to receive power. He's worthy to receive riches. He's worthy to receive what? Wisdom. And what else? Strength. What else? Honor. What else? Glory. What else? Blessings. Blessings. Jesus received all of this because he was slain. And then he took, listen to me very carefully. This is how to cause somebody to shout, get up, run around the room about seven times. Not only did he receive these things, but he took his power. He took his riches. He took his wisdom. He took his strength. He took his honor. He took his glory. He took his blessing. And he said, if you'll make me Lord, I'll give you everything I got. Praise God. Come on. Come on. Think about it. All of Jesus' power, all of his riches, his external, tangible riches, 
come on, all of his power over devils and demons, over every creepy thing that creepeth, over every sickness, over every disease, over every name that is named is given to him. All this power, all these riches, we were talking about the Holy Ghost teaching you, all that ability, all that wisdom. You think Solomon was smart? Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till somebody walks in the fullness of the wisdom of the Holy Ghost that Jesus gave him to walk in. Wisdom, strength. Come on, I'm weak. I can't get my flesh under control. Are you kidding me? The strength of heaven is on the inside of you. All you have to do is tap into it and say, body, get under the control of this power. I have power to control you. You need to get bold and say, I've got the power. Pick your size. Pick your weight. Whatever you weigh, 80 pounds, 90 pounds, 100 pounds, 300 pounds, 400 pounds, 800 pounds, whatever you weigh, you've got a, you've got the power, the wisdom, the authority, the strength to take your weight and flip it over like an old disobedient dog. Grab it by the juggler. Look at it square in the eyes and growl at it and say, you're going to obey my God. Amen. You've got the strength to do it. You need to grab your old stinking thinking. Grab it like an old bulldog by the throat. Shake it around and say, you don't control me anymore. Amen. Get in his face and growl at that thing. Well, Pastor, I just don't think that's me. Well, <laughs> it better get to be you. Well, Pastor, I just, I mean, I hear you telling me, but I ain't seen that. I've never seen anybody do it. Well, come on, honey, look at me. Because I flat guarantee you, I grabbed a hold of my temper. I grabbed a hold of my whiny roller coaster emotions. I grabbed a hold of my own sour, nasty, profane mouth full of, of corrupt communication. And I've got it so under control I can't even think of the words half the time to describe how bad I was. It's so under control. Come on. You got the strength. You got the honor. Well, nobody, nobody respects me. Are you kidding me? You got the honor of God living on the inside of you. The honor, the glory, and the blessings, all of that lives inside of you because you're in Christ. Good gravy. Come on, let's get, I can't, we can't even get going. <laughs> Whew. It's hot in this house. Whew. Where all are right. we at? I don't verse even know what 13. we're on. Verse 13. All right. So, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, which means in hell too. That's right. And such as are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Glory to God. Now, when I read that the first time, it messed me up because I thought all the animals, all the creatures, all the heaven, all the earth, all that was in the sea and under the sea, I thought they all heard John praising. That's the way I read it. Y'all looking at me like, Pastor, you're stupid. I know. At least that was my thinking. Pastor Mike had to look at me. He goes, no, honey. He heard. Right. He heard all of heaven. He heard all of the earth. He heard all of the sea. He heard all of the people. The people are in hell being tormented. And yet, they're crying worship unto God. And they're saying blessings. I don't know how to bless God. I don't know how to praise Blessings, God. Honor to you, God. 
Every Blessing knee will bow. Blessing to you, God. Glory to you, God. Power to you. Power to the one. And look, they did it. They, they said, blessing, honor, glory, and power to who? To God, then to Jesus. Well, if you're going to bless God with blessing, honor, glory, and power, and you're going to bless the whole, and you're going to bless Jesus with blessing, honor, glory, and power, you might as well just take it a step further and bless the Holy Ghost. Amen. With blessings, honor, glory, and power. That's how you worship. Father. I give you blessings and honor and glory and power. Jesus, I give you blessings and honor and glory and power. Holy Ghost, I bless you with blessings and glory and honor and power. Come on. This is how, when I say, come on, church, this is how we worship. Amen. You don't stand there. <laughs> you don't clap. You lift your voice and you say, blessings. blessings. And honor. Blessings, blessings, blessings. If you can't think of all four of them, just pick one of them. Blessing and honor. Do it glory over and, and over power. again. <laughs> Forever and ever. <laughs> Come on. We found out last week that you can say uh, blessings to the Lord God. We can, we can say holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Come on. Just start talking like the angels talk. Phew. All right. One verse left. I'm trying to get us there. Come on, y'all. <laughs> And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Glory to God. Amen. Listen, we're all this is how we're this is this is how the this is how the story ends. This is how the new age church, this is how this dispensation ends. This is how the church age ends, is we all get to go to the throne room of God, and we get to get in there with the angels, and we get to get in there with the beast, and we get to get in there with the 24 elders, and we get to get in there with our brothers and sisters, and we get to bow down, and we get to worship without our flesh getting in the way. Woo! Amen. Man, it's going to be a party. That's how this. That's how the church age ends. Not, now, notice I said the church age. I did not say this is how the world ends. I did not say this is how Armageddon comes, comes to an end. No, I said this is how the church age ends. It's 8.05. Y'all want to stop or you want to go to 8.30? Ah, that's what I thought. Come on. Let's get chapter 6 down and in the books. Well, at least started. Uh, we're going to get it. Come on, read it. Read from 1 to 17. All right. <clears throat> Come on, read it from 1 to 17. All right. I'm going to try to cool myself down just a little bit. All right. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he sat on him and had a bow. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, 
and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when I had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white, wor white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, or unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of the mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? All right. Dad Hagen said this. Dad Hagen said, all you need is a theologian to mess up your understanding of the Bible. That's, all he said. That's what he said. He said, you need a good theologian to mess up your understanding of the Bible. In other words, the, the theologians always look at the Bible from a very natural standpoint. They don't take spiritual things into consideration. And, they, and, and, they're, and they're giving you their thoughts and their opinions. And people take what the theologians have to say as gospel truth when it's their thoughts and opinions. Now, I'm not a theologian. I've not studied theology. But I know the one who is the great teacher, the Holy Ghost. Now, does it mean that every theologian has it wrong? I'm not saying that. I think that the theologians kind of, I think in a lot of areas they have it right. But I also know that in, when it comes to the book of Revelation, you can't get most theologians to agree. On anything. On anything in the book of Revelation. And there's no doubt that uh, there's a lot of references in the Old Testament. We read earlier today in the book of Zechariah about the horsemen, and it sounded just like this chapter in some regards. But it was also talking about the Jews who were in bondage in Babylon at the time, and it was talking about the, the, the things that the Jews would go through before they got set free. And, um, and we know that everything that occurred in the Old Testament 
um, happened because of the Jews and on the, on the behalf of the Jews. And a lot of the Old Testament applies only to the Jews. But we also know that what the Jews went through is a type and shadow of the new covenant. Of the new covenant. Okay? So we understand that. So, so a lot of your theologians, a lot of people refer to, the four, to these um, horsemen that are in these seals. These horse, they call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so when we use the definition apocalypse, according to our modern definition, it means the four, the four men of the end of the world. But that's not what it meant at the time of the writing in the original Greek. Remember this word revelation, which is where we get the word apocalypse from. This word revelation means an unwrapping of a, a, an unwrapping or an unveiling of a present or a gift. It's the unwrapping of something. Well, we just read in chapter five that the Lamb, who is the gift to all humanity, is being revealed. We just so this is and I said, okay, it's eight o'clock. Y'all want to stay? You want to go? And everybody said we want to stay. How much do you know? Jesus would go in the temples, and he would teach the religious people. And then he would leave, and the disciples would go, okay, now, Jesus, give us a better understanding. And he would teach them again with another story or another parable, but he'd give them a little bit more detail that helped you to see it a little clearer. Okay. So this is my, this is what I perceived from the Holy Ghost. Think of a book. This is the example I used because it was the one I could think of. Think of a book or a novel. The one I thought of was The Princess Diary. Remember, if you watched that movie all those years ago, it was like they, they showed a book and it opened and it was like chapter one and it told part of the story. And then it said chapter two and it told the next part of the story. And then it was chapter three and like each time they had to open the chapter. Well, I look at the seals as, as part of the story of the new age, of the new covenant church, the new covenant. So if that's what this is, let's look at some things and see if that lines up. So let's look at the first seal. The first seal, look at verse 1, it says, I saw, and it says, and I saw when the lamb opened the seals, so he saw each seal being opened, and I heard, as it were, a noise of thunder, and, and the four beasts say, come and see. In other words, Jesus popped the seal, and then the beast around the throne said, John, come watch the story. John, come watch the story. Come see what's going to happen. Okay? And the first thing that John sees is in verse 2. Because remember, the... It said earlier in chapter 5 that no man could even look on, on the scroll. Right. So John couldn't look at the scroll. Until Jesus took it and opened it. Okay. So how much do you know? In the Old Testament, they had no well, idea of the modern day church. But he couldn't, he couldn't see the words. Right. What he saw was the vision. Right. That's true too. So they said, come and see, watch the story unfold in front of us. And this is what John saw. He said, Behold, I saw a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. That crown 
So the Bible talks about two different types of crown. It talks about the royal crown of majesty of the king, and it talks about a victor's crown. Christians that overcome and stay their walk with God, when we get to heaven, we get a victor's crown. We, we ran our race, and we get crowned because we ran our race, and we ran it well. But this was more, and there, was, there, there, is a, there, there is a connotation in this original word that this is a victor's crown. But not only is this a victor's crown, is that, they ran, that he ran his race to completion, because how much you know Jesus completed his race. But he was also royalty. He was also heaven, heavenly royalty, spiritual royal, royalty. And so he was given this crown, and he was given a bow. In other words, he was given a weapon, and uh, it says that he, and that he went forth conquering. How much do you know? And that word conquering means to have already obtained the victory. When Jesus left heaven, he already had the victory. He was already set in it. Yes, he had to bring his flesh under control at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had to keep it under control, but he had everything he needed before he ever left to win the battle. And not only did he conquer at the cross, not only did he conquer in the gates of hell, but he is still conquering the enemy today through his church. This is why he came conquering, and he's continuing to conquer in this dispensation of the church, in the new age, the new testament, the new covenant. Okay? So, and it never says that he stops conquering. Now, let's look at the next seal. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Now, that was... Is there to help? Uh, it, the commentators put it in there, or the translators put it in there, and the word power is in there. So let's just not even read it with that. Okay. Um, and there went out another horse, red, and was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Who is robbing the earth? Who is robbing the earth of peace today? Satan. Now, he's, Satan is robbing the earth of peace. That, what's the other thing it says? And it says, and that they should kill one another. How much do you know on the earth we're killing one another? Are there demons killing you? No. Now, that'll confuse some people. There's a, that'll confuse some people. Do you know that no demon in hell can take you out unless you allow him to? You have to. Do you hear him? Say it loud, Zach. No. That is the truth. He, know, he, he, he understands how demons in, operate intimately. And I said, there's no demon in hell that can take you out, can kill any person, unless that person allows that demon to kill them or, allow, or, the, or allows that demon to talk them in to killing themselves. So, this cannot be, this cannot be, the, the seven-year tribulation, because the demons don't have the power to kill. All they have the power to do is rob peace and get people to kill one another. What's the third thing this, this horse rider can do? Uh, there was given to him a great sword. Now, this messes with people. The Bible said, what do we refer to the Bible, the, the Bible as? The sword. The sword. The sword, right? 
and it's a quick, sharp sword able to pierce, right? Now, the Bible is what? The word of God. So the sword is a type and shadow of the word of God. How much do you know Satan also has a word? He also has a sword, which is the words that he whispers in your ears. So, he, so this writer has the power to take his sword and to whisper words to you to get you to kill yourself and to kill others. Does this not sound like the day and the age that we live in? It does. It does. Let's go to the next one. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And behold, or, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. All right. So he, what he's talking about here is the, uh, is the value of money. If, you're paying, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, what's the big news topic right now? The value of money. If you've been to the grocery store, how much do you know your money does not buy what it used to once buy? So, his, so this, this next horseman that comes out is going to affect how valuable money is to the world. But I want you to notice what, said, what was said. At the very end, there's a semicolon, and it says, See thou hurt not... The oil and the wine. This is the finances of the believers. This is the finances of the believers. Remember we were praying back there in, uh, at the election time, and I had a word from God that said that those that were in fellowship with God, that were walking with God, that, we, that even though there were going to be woes that came upon the nation, even though our world was fixing to go, even though our nation was fixing to go into hard times, that if we walked with God, we would not be affected? Do you know that during COVID, our church finances actually went up? They did not go down. Do you know the only way for the church finances to go up and not go down is for the people's finances to go up and not go down? So while the world was being impacted financially... The church was actually increasing. Is that not what this describes? Remember, Jesus said, I want you to understand, that word tribulation means to be pressed. To be pressed. To be brought under pressure. If you go back and you read the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus said, in the last days, there would be great, there would be sorrows or pressure. There would be tribulation. There would be pressure. He didn't call it great pressure, which is the seven years after the church comes out. But he said that there would be pressure. He said that there would be financial pressure. He said that there would be fires, floods, earthquakes. He said that uh, family members would turn against family members. He said that the animals would begin to turn against human, against the people, against people, and the animals would begin to attack people. Remember that in the scriptures. Remember that. So this is, this is describing the time of sorrows, the time that the church is getting ready to get called out. 
He's talking about what the what these horses. So so Satan was the the red horse, and he ruled for a long time. But now there's as we reach the end of the church age, as we reach the end of this dispensation of God, there's going to become financial pressure. But those that are under God, there's an order that our oil and our wine cannot be touched, which was the financial money of their day. So the financial money of our day, if we stay under the authority of God, if we follow God, this is what we'll do. I just listened to Brother Randy's time up in Mississauga. If you haven't listened to it, man, oh man, go listen to it. If you need the link, I'll get it for you. But go listen to him. He did a sermon where the Lord was talking to him. And the Lord told him the world is about to come under extreme financial pressure. This is not him looking at the news. This is he got along with God. God began to talk to him, and this is what the Lord told him. He told him, he said, you go out there and you tell my people that they need to start meditating on prosperity. And they need to start, by faith, pulling down the prosperity that belongs to them. And if they'll do that, if they'll do what the word tells them to do, they will not feel the financial pressure that the world is going to feel. So I'm telling you, you better get your thinking right. We're going to be talking about that some coming up. All right. We've got to finish this up. I know. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, if you listen to these theologians, these theologians will tell you that every time God, op- every time Jesus opened a seal, he, re- he, he sent this destruction upon the earth. How is God going to send death and hell from heaven? How is he going to steal? How is he? He's got all the gold, silver. He's got all the finances of heaven for his children. How, why, how is he going to send uh, uh, poverty to us? He's not. What he's doing is he's opening the storybook and he's giving us a picture of what's going to happen in the church age. Oh, it is called the book of Revelation. He's giving us a picture book of what's going to happen. How much do you know that um, Jesus said there'd be plagues? He said there'd be, he said there'd be plagues. How much do you know that brings death? How much do you know we've got more people accepting, receiving, and worshiping Satan than ever before in the history of our nation? How much do you know we've got death? We're see- people are doing mass shootings and drive-bys and, and driving into crowds of people. And guess what? Killing people. How much do you know there's more people going to hell faster today than ever before in our nation? Sounds like this day, doesn't it? This sounds like this is where we're at now. Um, now, what it says, and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth. Who's giving the power? Mankind. Mankind is yielding to this enemy, and because I because I just got done saying, and he and he he backed me up. I just got done saying, Satan cannot take you out unless you give him power. Mankind is giving the devil power. The church is giving the devil power because the church is not standing in her authority. 
Let me tell you something. When you have the works of Satan standing in the pulpit and saying, I represent God. Well, yeah, honey, you represent God, but you don't represent my God. You represent the God of hell. And just because you stand in the pulpit that's got the name of Jesus on it does not mean that you stand for my Jesus. All right, come on. Let's finish this up. All right. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. How much you know we've got people being martyred for the name of Christ? Well, are you sure? Yeah, we just had six, six, or three sixth graders and, six, and three teachers murdered for Christ, the Nashville shooter. He went into a Christian school and killed six Christians. That's being martyred for Christ in our nation. People are being beheaded and tortured in, in, the, in, the, out, in the Western countries. Murdered and tortured for Christ. And how much do you know? The church is standing up going, God, how long are you going to put up with this? God, how long are our people going to be murdered? Don't you know Jesus said that we would be persecuted in the last days? If the, right before Jesus came, we would be persecuted. We'd be taken before judges. And, God, and Jesus said, don't, don't give any thought for what you're going to say, for you're going to speak by the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what, when you, get taken before the whole, when you get taken before the judge by the Holy Ghost, you will not be pleading your case for life. This is, now, I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you by the Spirit of God. You will not be pleading your case for innocence to be set free. You will be doing what Stephen did. You will be standing in front of the judges and the people that want to murder you and kill you, and you will begin to preach and proclaim Jesus Christ, and it will make the people so mad that they will kill you Will you stand while you preach. That's what's going to happen, and it's even going to happen in our nation. And it's an honor and a privilege. And, God, and, 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 and so those that have been murdered ahead of time, these little babies, these teachers, they're in heaven and they're going, God, how long is this going to happen? And what does Jesus do? He says, here's your garment of, of righteousness. Here's your crown. And now you rest for your brothers and sisters will be coming soon. For your brothers and sisters are coming soon. He's giving the, us the picture of what the church age is going to look like. Let's go. We've got one more, one more seal to go. In this chapter. All right. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. So notice this is six seals. This is the sixth one. And lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood. And the tears of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs. This sounds an awful lot like meteors flying to the, to the earth and causing all kinds of earth unbalances and earthquakes and all of that. How much do you know? They're talking about that on the radio right now. How much do you know? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that, that the earth is wobbling to and fro like a drunkard and she's off her axis because of the amount of science backs this up. Science backs, it, backs up that the earth currently is wobbling on her axis 
like a drunkard and it's affecting the north and south pole to the point that it's affecting the latitude and longitude to the point that airports are having to change the, the numbers of their runways because, so that the autopilots get the planes to the right place. Why is this happening? Because the sin on the earth is so great, the earth was never meant to contain it. She's getting ready. She, she can't handle, she can't ha the earth cannot handle much more. And she's going to start responding to the sin. And that's why we're seeing the earthquakes. That's why we're seeing the floods. That's why we're seeing the tornadoes. That's why we haven't seen snow in Murphy for like two years. This is why. It's because of the sin that's going on there. And it's happening because we're right here at the tail end of the church age. And I can prove it to you. Keep going. All right. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? All right, you sit right here in Revelation. Up here on the board, bring me up Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew 4, 17. When Jesus went to the Jordan River, and he got baptized, and he received the full measure of the Holy Ghost, and then and the... And the, 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 the uh, the Spirit descended like a dove. He received a full measure of the Holy Ghost. The skies opened up. God said, this is my Son in whom I well pleased. And Jesus left that place and he went back and he went out and he went about and he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. hand. He said, heaven is here on the earth now. That's what he said. He said, repent for heaven has arrived on the church, or on the planet earth, which is the church, which is those that are in Christ, the body of Christ. Because when Christ left, he left his body here. Heaven. Now go back to Revelation. Revelation, verse 14. Revelation 6, verse 14. And he said, what? The heaven departed. As a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Let me tell you something. When God, when Jesus calls heaven away from the church. Or from when, the earth. From the earth, I mean. When, God, when Jesus calls, when that trumpet blows. And heaven, which is the, it, if we use the wording that Jesus used. When heaven on the earth, which is his body, which is the church, he said, look at what he said. He said, and heaven did what? Departed. Heaven departed. In other words, heaven, the church, was raptured. Heaven was raptured. He said, heaven was raptured. The church was raptured as a scroll when it's rolled together. How much do you know? If you're holding, if you, if you roll up a piece of paper, and it's rolled up for a while, and then you hold it open, and you're, and you're having to hold it open. When you pull your hands off that scroll, what's it do? Rolls it up quickly. 
And it happens with such a force that that scroll hops and jumps, right? You remember you, them old roll-up blinds? Right. That would that would roll up and right shatter, make a big old shatter. racket and stuff. Right. When the when the church gets called up out of here, what do you think the earth is going to do? She's going to shudder. There's going to be an earthquake. There's going to be a shaking. The lands are going to shift. The lands are going to move. People are going to disappear. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Because here's the deal. People are being raptured from all over the earth. The whole earth is going to be affected. You know, I could see how at that point people wouldn't even realize that there'd been a rapture because this, is your earthquake. Every, this big earthquake happens, everything gets jumbled up. A lot of people are gonna. It's gonna be made. They be able to make excuses. Gonna, they're gonna be. They're gonna be like, oh, they must all gotten killed in the earthquake. Yeah, but look at what it says. It says, and the kings. These are the high-ranking people of power and authority. The great men. These are big businessmen. Uh, the rich man, people of wealth. The chief captains, so these are like your mid-level government people. The mighty men, so these are like your warriors and your fighters and all of that. Every bond man, which is servants. Every free man, which are those that are not servant to somebody. So this is, this is, this is, this is, this is he's saying every class of person. It doesn't matter your authority. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your money. It doesn't matter your social standing. It doesn't matter if you're a servant to somebody or if you're the head of somebody. It doesn't matter if you're in bondage or if you're totally free. It doesn't matter. Those people that are left, they're all going to hide themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, which is what Jesus said. Jesus said, these tribulations are going to come. These pressures are going to come. The church is going to get called away, and then mankind is going to flee to the mountains. And we're already beginning to see the fleeing to the mountains because some people have got the notice ahead of time. Okay? They're going to flee to the mountains, and look at what they say in verse 16. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, this is interesting to me, and I just saw it just now, just right here, just now. I just saw it. Go back to that. Go back to verse 16. They're hiding in the mountains, and they say, the mountains and the rocks, he said, fall on us. Does it say, and kill us? Nope. It says, fall on us and hide us. Sounds like they're hiding in caves, and they collapse the entrances. And it could be they collapse the entrances. But how much do you know? I showed you that at some point right before the rapture, all of mankind changes and can no longer physically die. So something weird. So, so somewhere between the fifth seal, because remember they were being killed, and the sixth seal, something happens. Because the, because of the idea, because honestly, if I run in the cave, if I, my thinking is I'm going to run in the cave and I'm going to say, okay, God, cause the rock. It doesn't say cause the rocks to fall on the entrance. It says, God, cause the rocks to fall on me. That's what it says. Is that not what it says? I'm thinking in that moment, uh, if, I, if I can't die, I'm think, if, I, if I'm able to die, I don't think I want to say, just kill me with the rocks, Lord. So that just, it, there's a little hint there. There's a little hint there. And he said this, 
And he said, and they said, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. In other words, they don't want to go before God and from the wrath of the lamb. They don't want to deal with God and they don't want to deal with Jesus. This is the close of the church age. Now, I've read what the theologians believe, and, and, and I've read it, and I've read it, and it's never set well with me. Because the way they explain it, it makes, uh, it makes Satan uh, God's lynchman. Or henchman. Or henchman. If, God, if Jesus is opening the seal and sticking out all these sicknesses and diseases and destructions on mankind, then, then the devil works for Jesus. And that doesn't agree with the rest of the Bible. That's why I have a hard, personally, why I have a hard time accepting what the theologians say about this. This is, for me, this is the only explanation that agrees with the rest of the scriptures. And take it, leave it, pray about it, let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. That's all I got for tonight. It's more than enough. Glory to God. Uh, I guess we need to give a tithe and an offering yep. and uh, pray ourselves out of here and pray that the Lord opens things up to us. Glory to God. Glory to God. I hope I explained it well enough to make sense. Glory to God. You want to pray? Sounds like people are going to have a lot of questions for Saturday. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? All right. Well, Lord, uh, we thank you for this word. We thank you for, for revealing uh, the truth to us. We thank you for showing us, um, showing us a different way to read this than what we've, what we've been taught in the past. And, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for being here with us. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us and that, that you are a good God and that you are not uh, the creator of wrath and destruction, but you are a good God. And, Lord, we, 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 we thank you and we, and we, and we give unto we give with a grateful heart unto you, unto your kingdom, Lord, that your work can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think, and that you bless the givers, that they, they, receive, uh, that they receive prosperity and, and benefit from this so that they can be a bigger blessing to your kingdom. And we, uh, Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are forearmed and forewarned, and we will use the authority of Jesus against you. You must leave, and you must flee in Jesus' name, and you cannot touch our health or our family or our things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank uh, angels, you. go forth and bring in the prosperity in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for wisdom, revelation, knowledge, the leading us into truth. We thank you for increase that cometh in Jesus' mighty name. You can serve the people. Miss Kathy is home. I did talk 